0: And welcome to WisMed On Call, a podcast by the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients in the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm your host, Peter Welch, Vice President of Strategy and Partnerships, and joining me is Bob Folks, the Society's recently retired Chief Financial Officer.
1: Hi, Bob. Hi, Peter.
0: This episode is part of a special financial literacy series entitled, What I Wish I Knew, aimed at answering questions from young physicians, residents, and medical students about topics that may not be covered in medical school. In this episode, we're talking about balance sheets and income statements, something our guest has a lot of experience with. So let's start with the very basics, Bob. What are they, and what should we be looking for?
1: Okay, and every business has a set of financial statements. and, and just to get to the basics, there's really two two basics in the accounting world, we call it the, there is the trinity of them. Uh, but if you were to get an audit report, you get a balance sheet or statement of financial position, an income statement or statement of activities. And there's also a statement called a cash flow statement. And those are done in a couple different ways. But primarily when we talk about the business financial statements, you're talking about a balance sheet and an income statement. Um those are the basics. Um and the basics of balance sheet are 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 as follows. Um and, and some of this when when I say it seems so obvious. Um <laughs> but having seen other financial statements presented to me, they're not always obvious to the people that put them together. Um and that is the balance sheet. The balance sheet is a snapshot of your financial position at a point in time. Um, the first line on a balance sheet is cash. We all know that if I were to say, okay, how much cash do you have uh, besides what's in your wallet, you would look at your at your bank account. In my case, I'd look online. But I know that that balance isn't what I really have, mm-hmm. that I've just written a check or I just went through the ATM, hasn't been posted yet. Mm-hmm. Um, So, it's just a snapshot point in time. It's called a balance sheet. Accountants are clever people. Um, It's based on the accounting system, which is a two-entry system. So, even if you use an app at home to track your finances, you're doing dual entry. When you spend money, it takes it from cash and puts it into a category that you've created. When you take money in, it puts money in the bank and you put it into a category. It's income or whatever it is. So it's a dual entry system and the balance sheet is strictly a listing of the assets on one side. In this case, it's always the left side of the statement. Uh, And then a listing of what you owe the liabilities and what's left, the equity. And the balance is assets are equal to the liabilities plus the equity, the ownership. And when those two numbers balance, it's a balance sheet hmm. uh and they have to be equal, so it sounds pretty simple, straightforward, so let's look at the balance sheet um It's the things that you own or have the rights to uh it's It's presented in the order of liquidity hmm. meaning, what, do you, what do you mean by that yeah okay, what's cash? What can be turned into cash the quickest so the top line on any balance sheet is always going to be cash and cash equivalents. Then you're going to see investments, then you're going to see things like accounts receivable, people owe you money. Those items below cash that can be turned into cash in a relatively short period of time. And in a balance sheet situation, the current assets are those that can be turned into that cash in a year. Then you've got other longer term things. If someone, for instance, owed you money for a long term, a five year note. Mm The one year portion would be there. The other four would be a longer term asset. It's money I have coming, but it won't be cash this year. Then you have other things like property that you purchased. Um if you have office equipment or anything that has a useful life of more than a year that's worth more than, say, a thousand dollars. And you can accountants can set those values, but doesn't pay to depreciate. I've got a calculator on my desk here at Society Mm -hmm. that cost $129, and I've had it for 10 years. Well, even though it's lasted more than a year, we're not going to capitalize and depreciate that Mm -hmm. over that time. So the balance sheet, the asset side of it, is in the order of liquidity. Now, where you're going to see differences when you look at different balance sheets is you're going to see some differences in accounts, okay? Uh, A service industry that makes no goods or products or sells nothing but provides services to people will have basically cash, investments, current assets, maybe if they've got some some property and then some longer-term assets. But they won't have things like inventory. Mm -hmm. In a retail situation, you have to have goods to sell. So when you get into retail, you'll see an inventory number. When you get into manufacturing, you'll see works in process or the raw materials that get turned into the products. So you're going to see differences in the accounts depending on the industry that you're looking at. But at the end of the day, it's a listing of the assets in the order of liquidity or currency and equaling the total of assets. The other side, the right side, if you will, is going to be the liabilities, the things that we owe. Okay. Uh, if we have payments due. And again, it's going to be in the order of when they're due. The most current items being first, and that being anything that you have an obligation to pay off in this next year. So any accounts payable, something you purchased, but hasn't been paid for. Uh, Anything of nature, of that nature. But if, for instance, let's use uh, the long-term note, a five-year note, the one-year portion will be in the current liabilities and the other four years will be in the long term liabilities, and so it's in the, in the same balance uh, that you see on the asset side, but in this case it's what you owe, not what you own mm. uh, if you will so that that's the basic part of that uh, and then the rest is what's left over and i 'll call it the ownership or the equity, and that will vary depending on the industry that you look at if you are a Independent business person, sole proprietor, own your own business. What you see left over is what you owe, what you own. Mm-hmm. Okay, you may have your investment in that, and then anything that you have accumulated in earnings along the way will be part of that. Be part of that equity section. If you're a stock company, you're owned your your uh, IBM or uh, let's use a a more current company, Apple. Okay. <laughs> Apple is owned by its investors. And so that equity section will be made up of the money that people paid when they bought that stock. Mm-hmm. It'll be broken up between the what they call the par value, the stated value of the stock, and anything else that people paid for it. And then they will have accumulated earnings, retained earnings. Those added together will be the equity of the company. If you are a nonprofit like the society There is no ownership. Nobody owns the society, not even the members. It really is in the public interest. Uh, We don't pay, we're tax exempt,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, and we don't pay taxes. So the ownership, we just call our net assets. It's really the money available to finance future programs and services. So that's your basic balance sheet. It should have a heading on that says what the name of the company is, (laughs) it should tell you what what period that snapshot is taken. So it's the balance sheet for the year-ended December 31st, 2017. And typically when you get an audited one, you'll see December 31st, 2017 and 2016 Hmm. so that you can see the comparison of this year to last year. But remember, it's a snapshot of those two periods of time. And just like if you took a picture of me right now, and then you took another one a second later, it will have changed. Mm-hmm. That balance sheet is a snapshot. It's that point in time that that those assets and liabilities are measured at.
0: So if I'm looking at a company and I'm looking at their balance sheet, what are some of the primary indicators that I might look for to see if that organization is financially healthy?
1: Yeah, and again, this will vary again depending on your industries because... Of the differences like the inventory that i pointed out or companies that don't have inventory we if we were comparing a retail operation to the society or a service company a, a medical clinic mm-hmm. um, they may have inventory of of supplies that they use day to day but they don't have inventory that they're reselling they don't have you know stacks of shirts and jeans <laughs> offered for sale but they've got some inventory of supplies and things. So there's gonna be differences there. So what am I gonna look at? Well, I'm gonna look at certain things that should be common to all of them. Uh, The most important one being, what did I say is is king at the top, is cash, Mm -hmm. okay? I'm gonna look at what they call the current ratio. Current ratio is strictly the current assets divided by the current liabilities. So those things that are going to be cash or cash within a year divided by those things that I got to pay within that same mm-hmm. year. Okay, so you get a ratio and say the ratio is 3.06 to 1.
2: Hm.
1: What does that mean?
0: You got three times as many assets as liabilities, right? Or
1: I've got $3 to pay every dollar of those bills. Sure. That's really what it means. And that's an important number to look at. Do does the company have Sufficient assets to pay its liabilities Beyond that when they use what's called the quick ratio and and this is typically used in that situation like the retailer let's subtract from that the inventory or Those goods held for sale or in a manufacturing situation those items subtract that out. So we're back to real cash Mm -hmm. compare that to the liabilities because If you've purchased a whole bunch of inventory, it's going to lower that ratio. I want to make sure that real ready cash is available to pay those bills. And so you want to look at that it's always better than one to one. Higher the better. Too high might be a bad example of maybe having accumulated too much cash and not Mm -hmm. using it. Mm -hmm. But current ratio is is probably the one most often looked at. the next one is probably the debt to equity. We've got onto the liability side. So how much debt do I have versus how much money have we accumulated to cover that debt? Too high a debt is a bad sign. Let's go back to the example. And, and we did a, a previous podcast on purchasing a house. Mm-hmm. And I said, the house was two fifty. dollars We put 10% down. It was $25,000. okay. That means that I have a 90% debt-to-equity ratio, 225 divided by the 250, because the 10% down. Okay, And that's typical in a house situation. Wouldn't be so comfortable for a retail or an inventory (laughs) situation. And indeed, when you see business failures out there, the most recent example, Toys R Us, was their debt. Mm. Their debt, they put too much debt on their balance sheet. When they were reorganized, and now their current operations can't support that debt, and that is a telltale sign. Now there's people that will tell you why it happened—hedge mm-hmm. funds or whatever it is—but that debt to equity is very, very important ratio to look at. Um, so you know those are probably the the, the biggest ones. The next would be uh, the return on your equity. And this gets into the income statement side. So let me jump over to the income statement, and then we'll come back and look at what some of those numbers might mean to us. So income statement is, just as it says, uh, the income statement, now in a nonprofit world, we call it a statement of activities because we, quote, don't make income. Um, no, we, we do try to make a profit, but, but we're a nonprofit. But the income statement is really a, a, a gathering of the revenues, so it's got two pieces, the revenues and the expenses. And you subtract the expenses from the revenue. And if, it's, if the expenses are less, you'll have a profit, net income. And if it's less, you'll have a loss, a net loss. Uh, and that's usually done before taxes. Where those income statements will be different will, again, be dependent upon those industries. For instance, the most commonly known to people is retail. Okay, we go to a store and we buy a product. They paid something for that product. So let's take this nice shirt that I'm wearing today. I paid thirty dollars for it.
0: Oh, you got a steal!
1: I got a steal. Huh? Yeah. You well, I'm a shrewd, shrewd shrewd shopper. <laughs> say three times fast. Um, but the store didn't pay thirty dollars for that. The store may have paid. Let's use the fifty percent markup rule. They paid fifteen for it. Okay, so the sale was $30. The cost of that sale was $15. So the gross profit from sales, and that's what you'll see typically in that manufacturing or retail, is that profit from the direct sale. You won't see that so much in a service industry because we aren't giving a a, a piece of property or a piece of merchandise in trade for that. We're providing our service for that. Mm-hmm that gross profit then is what you subtract the rest of the cost from the heat the rent the light the keeping up the building the paying the salary of the person at the store etc uh, so you'll see that in the manufacturing or retail side that you won't see in the service side but at the end of the day it's how much money comes in how much goes out at the end of the year that measuring point and that financial statement should have had a heading it should say for the year ended 1231 or the six months ended if it's an interim statement and show the profit and or loss from that company So what can we glean from some of those numbers? Well, I Just talked about gross profit You should be selling it as high a margin as you can that will vary from industry to industry It's going to make a big difference between a high-end retailer and a low-end retailer I think that your Walmart gross profit is going to be much less than a jewelry store, for mm-hmm. instance, in a retail environment. Uh, somebody who's building custom buildings versus somebody who's building, uh, basically, you know, track homes, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, so th- those are going to vary, and if you're doing those comparisons, you should really look at those different industries to say, you know, what's the standard? The industry representatives, the trade associations, etc., We'll put out, you know, benchmark averages. So when you're comparing those items, that's what I would be looking at. But you'll want to look at that gross profit. Then you're going to want to look at the return on investment. How much is that income versus the money that's been invested in that company? If I were to say to you, Peter, let's open up an account over here at this bank, and they're going to pay 2%. Or let's go to this bank and open up an account, they're going to pay 4% pretty obvious that I'm going to go for that 4% number because uh, it's double. But the return on my investment for the money that the company has put in, either the sole proprietor or the investors, the stockholders, what is the return on their investment? That's a number that's frequently looked at um, and you'll see those you'll called ROI or return on equity uh, is a number that's typically looked at when you look at and compare companies. And It will vary like I said between industries uh, And types of companies within industries and that's what you would benchmark it against when when you're trying to compare those numbers So that net profit margin uh, Is the next one and that's that net profit to sales how much is sales supporting that profit at the end of the day? because sales in retail and manufacturing or even in service industry is the bread and butter of that company we don't we have other sources of income but if we don't sell our product provide our service manufacture and sell our goods we don't make any money and so that's an important ratio to be looking at and again it will vary by the industry but still important that they are within parameters of the industry that they operate in
0: that's a great overview thank you bob tell me a little bit about the difference between for-profit and not-for-profit financial statements
1: probably boils down mostly to that to that ownership or equity part of it. Um, we like to say, uh, those of us that work in the non- non-profit world, although I have a lot of friends in the for-profit world that say, I've, I've been operating a not-for-profit for many, many years also, mm-hmm. because I'm not making any money. <laughs> but in the, in the not-for-profit world, um, not-for-profit really is, is, a, is a tax status, not a business model. <laughs> we all have to make some money to continue to exist. The difference is where that money goes. In the not-for-profit world, there is no direct benefit to an owner. There's no, what they call, inurement to an owner. We can't dividend the money back to the members. We provide the members goods and services, where in the for-profit world, we do. Now, we have the privilege of of operating our businesses without paying income taxes. Some not-for-profits still pay sales tax. We do. Uh, some charities don't have to, but basically the accumulated assets go back to will go back to the IRS or to another nonprofit at liquidation. Whereas if I go out of business and I own the company, whatever's left at the end of the day is going to go back to me, or if it's owned by shareholders, back to the shareholders mm-hmm. if we liquidate the company. So. Uh, That's one of the major differences some vernacular that's used that's differently because we don't quote make a profit When we get to the bottom of ours, we don't say net income. We say increase or decrease in our net asset position (laughs) So it's typically those things uh, that you'll see but we have the same balance sheet We have the same income statement We call it a statement of financial position a statement of activities that a business does because we still at the end of the day account for the business that we do and how we serve our members when we when we do that. So there really isn't, you know, in my mind that much of a difference. A uh, nonprofit that doesn't treat themselves like a business is a nonprofit that soon will be out of business. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah.
0: So what questions might you ask a CFO if you were reviewing their balance sheet and income statement?
1: Well, I would look again at those ratios. Mm-hmm. Um because typically when I get an audit statement, there's two years' worth of of assets and liabilities, two years' worth of income statements, I'll look at at the changes between them, look for big changes, uh, trends in those changes, sales are way down, gee, what caused that? Uh, sales are way up, gee, what caused that? Do we have a spike there? So I'll look at some of those trends, the same ratios, and look at them if my my... My current asset ratio, that 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 uh, that operating ratio that we looked at before was, I had five dollars available for all my bills last year, and this year I only have three dollars. You know what's caused that? Mm-hmm. Now maybe there's a good reason for it. I'll look at you know if I'm looking at uh, a for-profit industry like an inventory, a big rise up in inventory might be. Well, did we buy a bunch of stuff that's now obsolete that won't sell? So you look at the differences between the accounts and, and try to get explanations on, on what caused those changes. Um, that's typically what I'll look at. I'll do those ratios. I do them quickly in my head. Um, <laughs> or I might have a little calculator there. The $129 just one? That $129 yeah. calculator. Right. And I will look to see you know, if, if they've had a change in their own, in their own besides the ones that you, that you can see. Declining sales is always a, a big thing. Declining revenue if if it's not a sales company. When I look at our financial statement being not a being a not for profit, we still look at our total revenue side. Are member dues up or down? If they're down, why are they down? Have we lost members? Has the member mix changed that caused the decline? You know, those are answers that my board's gonna to want to ask me. Expenses are up or down. Why did that happen? Is this a recurring thing? Is it a one-time thing? So, you know, those are the types of things that I'll typically look at, and I'll always want to look at that comparison. But when I and then uh, when I look at those, I'll, again, look at those trends and see, does that explanation make sense to the numbers that, that we see? Um, if you're looking at uh, a shareholder report,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you'll want to focus on not just the numbers, but... A shareholder report of publicly traded companies have something called a management discussion analysis (MDA). You don't typically find it not-for-profit world, although it's being discussed now as 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 something that should be there for transparency for the people that either join memberships or pay into charities that we want to know what management. But MDA, management discussion analysis, has to talk about the trends in the business that's where I'll focus my time. Go to the narrative, not the numbers, hmm. because the words that are there. Now remember though, that's management's discussion analysis. They're gonna to try to paint as good a picture as they can, <laughs> but they must be honest with declines in revenue. They must be honest with concentration of risk, and those are typically found in those md management discussions, shareholder reports, prospectus, they use any number of names that are out there. Um, And that's where I would spend my time now. There's a lot of verbiage in there But the thing that drives their industry if it's inventory if it's Manufacturing you know you're in a manufacturing environment for houses and the housing market is down Go and see what they talk about in that particular area, and those are the places where I'll spend my time looking at it Uh, because like I said narrative not numbers is going to tell you what do they say about it because Even though they wrote it and they have to make it as pretty as they can, it has to be realistic. It goes to, in the case of publicly traded, to the SEC um, or or other regulatory bodies, uh, and it's a required required report. So that's something that I'll look at. Uh, I'm a shareholder in a couple companies. Just got one. No, it's it's heavy lifting. Uh, It it will cure your insomnia, but (laughs) there's a lot of words in there. But it's an industry that I used to work in, so I go right to, in this case, an insurance company, to the losses and the loss ratios. So, again, depending on the industry, you'll want to go to that part that drives their bottom line. Yeah. So, as I said at the beginning of
0: this podcast, you are a recently retired CFO. So, reflecting on your many years as a CFO, what organizational lessons or, or pitfalls
1: do leaders typically fall into? I would say it's that failure to pay attention to the finances, the financial statements. You know, staff prepares them. Um, that's our job. Um, then we get audited, and you know, auditors audit them. And yet they get an audit report and they don't really pay attention to it. You know, in a nonprofit world, it's a fiduciary responsibility. Uh, in a for profit world, the board of directors has a fiduciary responsibility. To understand what's in those financial statements and understand the trends. You know, the number one reason for an executive to fail in their job has always been failure to see the financial train coming down the track. Mm -hmm. And I think that boards bear that responsibility of, you know, helping see that train, if you will. Uh, I, I think that that's probably the thing that, that has bothered me the most is people not getting their arms around the numbers, whatever their responsibility is. You know, if I'm a shareholder in a company and I'm getting that, that prospectus from them and I'm seeing negative trends and then the stock declines, who's to blame? Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I think that we all have that responsibility and... Yeah, we speak a different language at the time. There's vernacular there, but there are, you know, as I pointed out, some ratios, some simple things to look at that really would be helpful, and if you don't understand it, then ask. Um, you know it, it, We spend a lot of times, if you're an accountant, spend a lot of time looking at the numbers, and what may be obvious to me may not be completely obvious to you, and at that point you should ask.
0: That's great advice. Well, I appreciate it, Bob, and thanks for sharing all your wisdom on this topic. And that will wrap up this episode of WisMed on Call. Thanks to the Wisconsin Medical Society Foundation and the Wisconsin Medical Society Insurance and Financial Services, your partners for life. If you like what you heard, please visit our website, www.wisconsinmedicalsociety.org, and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have suggestions or feedback, please email communications at wismed.org. Thank you for listening.